this is a faithful saying, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Thanks for joining me today. This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Good morning, and thanks for tuning in. It's a pleasure to be with you today. We're in Proverbs chapter 5. Uh, we've been out for a couple of weeks, but now we're back with our Proverbs study, picking up where we left off in chapter 5. And we're actually going to be looking at a lot of text today from Proverbs chapter 5. Uh, not only that chapter, though, but chapter 6 and 7, there's a lot of overlapping um, language and, and, and a similar theme that is dealt with throughout those chapters, and that is sexual integrity or living with sexual integrity or sexual wisdom, we might say. So we're going to be thinking about that this morning, the lessons that we can take from Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. And I want to begin just by reading the first four verses here in Proverbs chapter 5, where I have my Bible open to. Solomon says, My son, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may observe discretion, and your lips may reserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech, but in the end... She is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. And so Solomon begins this next speech here with the, the call to heed his instruction, as he has with, with every one of these uh, discourses so far. And, you know, it's ironic that the, this instruction, inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course, comes from a man who, at the end of his life, in 1 Kings 11, we read, was ruined because of his attraction to foreign women. Solomon had a, a thousand wives and hundreds of concubines, and we can read all of that in First Kings 11, and how his attraction to those women ruined him, brought him to destruction, because he denied him. He wouldn't deny himself uh, any any pleasure, any any woman, uh, and so he has all this instruction about sexual in, integrity, and you know times. Times don't really change. We live in an age in which sexual immorality is just on display virtually everywhere. And when we look at the picture that's painted here in Scripture, we see that Solomon is telling his son that the, that the adulterous woman, the, the harlot, she's on every corner and she's in the square in Proverbs 7 and verse 12. She's in the streets. She lurks by every, every corner. Verse 13, she seizes him and kisses him with a brazen face. She says to him, uh, and he launches into what what she says, and we'll look at that here here in a minute. But times don't change, you know. That that sexual temptation is still just everywhere we look, virtually, right? It's in the grocery store, in the checkout line, it's on the freeway as we're as we're driving down the road with billboards. It's on our TVs and every other commercial or every other show, right? It's just being pumped into our homes and, in, and into our minds, and there's uh, scandals in the news uh, of of our our leaders, the leaders of our country, or celebrities, and things like this that you know they're just commonplace, right? And and sadly, it the church is is not immune. It's not immune to any sin, and certainly sexual immorality is one that is ruined the reputation and and ruined many people and separated them from from God and, and torn families apart. As much as any other sin, if not if not more, and so Solomon is speaking to the 
um, utmost importance of purity, moral purity, sexual sexual purity, and he deals with this on a couple of different levels. And in one way, it's on a spiritual level, and talking about spiritual fidelity and, and remaining true to his words and the word of God and the inspiration of, uh, of Scripture itself, right? Um, not to him personally, but to to the words, to the message, right? Because if we're going to follow Solomon's example, well, he he didn't live up to his own his own wisdom, right? That was inspired by by God, and so we want to be faithful to the message and not uh, be adulterers and, and given to the temptation spiritual and become spiritually unfaithful by uh, chasing after everything that the world has has to offer. And then on a very literal level, as we're thinking about in this text, we. We don't want to be unfaithful to our spouses. We want to be pure and, and, and have the sexual integrity that Solomon is calling us to have. And he's warning his son over and over again against the wiles of the adulteress or of, of the harlot of the strange woman who is coming to him and wanting him uh, to engage in all these kinds of misdeeds with her and mis- misconduct. And so as we look at at these, this first address here in, in Proverbs chapter 5, in verse 1, you know, we've seen several of these speeches so far. I forget which number we're on. But, you know, e- each of these is from a dad. It's from a father to a son. And I think that there's just a very basic and a very simple reminder in that, that it's the duty of parents. It's the duty of parents to teach their children about the sexual facts of life, right? The, that that sex is a gift from God and it's meant to be enjoyed and it is a joyous expression of at least one of the expressions of uh, of a man's love and a woman's love, a husband's love for his wife. And the scripture doesn't mince words about that. It's not prudish at all when it comes to describing the sexual relationship between a husband and wife, right? Just look at verse 18 of chapter 5. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? And so we don't need to be any more prudish about these things than, than God is, right? We, we live in a dangerous world, and the enemy is not going to pull any punches, and the adulteress is not going to pull any punches, uh, for us or our children and the temptations that are leveled against them and us every day, uh, they, they're not going to mince words, right? And they're going to, the call to abuse God's gift of sex is going to be strong. And so we don't need to mince words either. We need to be very upfront and honest and, and blunt that, yes, this is a, it's a good thing. Sex is not sinful in and of itself, but it's designed by God to be enjoyed within the marriage relationship. And we need to tell our children, just as Solomon here is telling his sons, you need to be aware of the wiles of the seductress. Whether we're talking about heterosexuals or homosexuals, there's going to be all sorts of lures put before you, all sorts of bait put before you that that have been designed by the enemy to ensnare you and to corrupt and misuse God's gift of of sex and they need specific instruction or we have to give specific instruction on what to do what our children are to do when they're tempted because naive children are vulnerable children right and so we shouldn't be afraid to speak plainly and biblically about these things 
so that they can be prepared. We want to give them the best chance possible. We don't want them to be taken by surprise. You know, as a dad myself, you know, I, I sometimes have this this fantasy where, you know, my kids will just be totally protected and I'll do such a good job that I'll never have to worry about internet pornography or, or stuff that they'll see on TVs uh, or football games and, and things like this, which, you know, sadly, even now with you know, all the, the half-naked cheerleaders and stuff dancing around, not even, you know, sports, you know, not we can't even watch sports anymore without having some sort of sexual temptation put right before our, our eyes. And so, I, you know, I have this this fantasy that, you know, they'll just be perfect and, and they won't, nothing like that will ever be set before them and they won't make the same mistakes that I, that I made. But that's just a fantasy, right? The, the fact is, and what we're seeing here in Scripture is that it is going to be put before you. You are going to be on the receiving end of these uh, propositions and these temptations from from the enemy. And it's going to sound smooth. And their lips are going, verse 3, are going to drip with honey. And it's going to be, it's going to look so, so good and so pleasing. Uh, but you can't, you can't fall into that trap. And that's what Solomon's speech is is all about here. He's he's wanting his son to keep in mind the reality of of sin, right? You, you can't, young people can't be left alone to follow their own uh, feelings in this area. And, and again, it's the parent's responsibility. We can't give this this duty, this responsibility to teach our kids. That's, that doesn't belong to the school. It doesn't belong to our friends, or it certainly doesn't belong to the entertainment industry because they're going to send all kinds of false teaching and, and corrupting sinful messages that will contribute to the ruin of our children if we don't combat them actively. Our kids need our oversight and direction from the Word of God. And the wisdom that's offered here in Scripture, this is where the sex education that our kids need has to take place. This is what will protect them from the world and equip us and equip them to enjoy a pure, satisfying life and have a good, healthy, uh, uh, satisfying, and fulfilling, sexually fulfilling relationship with their, their spouses. And what Solomon wants them to remember, wants his son to realize that first of all, that first of all, is that the adulteress is going to destroy. She is going to destroy. We see that in, in verse uh, verse 4. You know, after Solomon says her the lips of an adulteress drip honey in verse three, her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end, in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two edged sword. Her feet, verse five, her feet go down to death, her steps take hold of shield, she does not ponder the path of life, her ways are unstable, and she does not know it. And so he says, Keep away from her, verses seven and eight. Listen to me. Don't depart from the words of my mouth. You keep away from her. You don't go near the door of her house, or you will give your life to others and your years to the cruel one. And we have to be frank again with our kids about the consequences of this this behavior, of sexual immorality. It looks so good. The enemy paints it as something that's so desirable, but in the end, it's bitter as wormwood. It's going to destroy you. It'll destroy your mind. It'll destroy your life. Uh, it, it, it will separate you from God as, as all sin does. And so we have to be frank about the, the serious consequences of this sin. 
if you look in chapter 6 down in verse 20, you'll, you'll see that Solomon is saying, as he does earlier in, in chapter 5, that the key that the key to cutting through the deceit here and, and seeing and seeing the adulteress and seeing the harlot and seeing the you know the por- pornography or whatever form sexual temptation is taking the the key to seeing the truth about it and and remembering the consequences of of where it's going to take you is to remember the word of God remember what the word of God says right if we if we lose our grasp of that well, again, we're going to be naive, we're going to be vulnerable, we're going to forget the consequences which the Word of God is constantly reminding us of. And he says in verse 20 of chapter 6, My son, observe the commandment of your father. Do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light, and reproofs for discipline are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. For on account of a harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread, and an adulteress hunts for the precious life. So there, again, Solomon is reminding his son and us of the consequences, and he's saying the key here. The key here is to remember the commandment. Bind it around your neck. Keep it close to your heart. Don't desire the beauty of the harlot in, in, in your heart. Don't be captivated by all her wiles and and all the externalities of, of what she's presenting here because at the end of the day, um, it's, it's going to ruin you. It's going to bring you low. And Solomon begins to paint a very vivid picture here in chapter 7. You know, chapters 5, 6, and 7, this theme is, is found very prominently uh, that is the theme of, of sexual integrity and, and walking in sexual wisdom and, and morality. And Proverbs chapter 7 dramatically describes, as Solomon is, is saying here, as he's looking out his window, he's, he's dramatically describing the seduction of a young man who is naive and, and, and unlearned, and he's, he's not uh, ordering his steps according to biblical wisdom. And so, and it's a very, this... This description is a very stark contrast to the portrayals of such events, you know, we see in the movies and television. Um, and, and Scripture is describing the sin without making it attractive. That's the that's the difference here that we see, right? And film and television and other other media, they'll talk about, uh, you know, the, uh, the the sexual sin, but at the same time, uh, not condemn it or present it as something that is uh, something to be desired and attractive and will make it sound fulfilling and satisfying and it's what you need to do in order to be a man and etc cetera, etc cetera. and so Solomon describes this scene he's he's outside his window and it's something that could have easily taken place 3,000 years ago or something that could have taken place today right times don't really change and so if you drop down to chapter 7 and verse Six, he says, At the window of my house I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths uh, a young man lacking sense, passing through the street near her corner. That's the harlot's corner. And he, he takes the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness. And behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. And so as we're looking this in the, looking at this in the, in the story is, unfolding here it, it, it kind of sounds a whole lot like a nature film right as the lion is stalking its prey that's become separated from the herd 
right? The, the victim is not someone who is hardened in, in their sin and just callous, but Solomon says this guy, he's just naive. He's just naive. He's simple. He's, he's um, morally, he is lacking sense is the idea. We discussed that a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. And so he's untaught is the idea. Um, and so he's not living discerningly here. He's just wa- he's just carelessly walking down. He doesn't fully understand what is about to happen to him. But he's culpable. He's still going to be held accountable because whatever warnings of wisdom have been given to him, he's, he's ignoring. He's walking right into the temptation. Verse 8, he's going near her, the corner where her house is. He's walking down there, even though he's been told not to go to her door. And perhaps he's just curious, right? I think that that's how the enemy, first of all, gets us just kind of planting the seed of curiosity. Maybe that he's just curious about this disreputable area of town about which he's heard. Uh, you know, that he's heard about it maybe in certain movies or websites or bars, but he's never personally experienced them. So he's just curious. And perhaps he thinks himself wise to the ways of the world. So he, in his own mind, he's not naive. Uh, but maybe he's confidently and proudly thinking, well, whatever he finds there, he can resist. Well, that goes in the face of 1 Corinthians ten twelve, where Paul says, Let him who thinks he stands take heed so that he does not fall. You know, David, King David at a time in his life, when he had a lot of time on his hands because he was being idle, that's when he went up to his roof and, and saw Bathsheba bathing at the top of her house and he lusted after her and committed adultery with her and ultimately killed her husband had her husband killed and so this young man perhaps is making the same mistake he's naive perhaps he's overconfident maybe he's just curious but ultimately he's forgotten the warnings and he he doesn't fully again understand what's going to happen to him and maybe maybe he thinks that even if the worst does happen, this is he'll be anonymous because it's dark in verse 9, right? As the writer, as Solomon goes on, he goes in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night. That's deliberate, right? But darkness in Scripture is usually couched as a time of evil and danger. And so look at how Solomon describes uh, what the adulteress is going to do now. She comes to him, verse 10. To meet him, she's dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. She seizes him and kisses him. And with a brazen face, she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings today. I have, offered, I have paid my vows. Therefore, I have come out to meet you, to seek your presence earnestly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, with colored linens of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. For my husband is not at home, and he has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him, and at the full moon, with, with, at the full moon he will come again. And so she's going, she's just assaulting his senses, right? That's her tactic, right? He, She is... Uh, describing the, the the smell of her her room and um, what they will do right the caresses the feel and and what uh, what she sees right she's she's made herself up she's she's dressed alluringly uh, in her appearance and she's very looking very appealing right and her clothes reveal her 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 body and 
She's being immodest, and her eyelids seek to capture the young man's attention. In John Bunyan's allegory, The Holy War in the City of Mansoul, the city of Mansoul is attacked at various gates, the ear gate, the eye gate, the nose gate, etc. And so the adulteress is going to all of these gates, right, just assaulting the senses, Right. She assaults the ear gate with her flattering words. Her tongue is smooth. She knows, she knows how to get the young man's attention through flattery. She's going to stroke his ego. Right. You're so strong. You're so smart. You're so good. You're just the man for whom I've been waiting, verse 15. You're the one I've been looking for. That's why I've come out to meet you here. And so she's, she's even attacking him at the, the mouth gate. Right. She seizes him and she kisses him. Right. She's... She means business, right? She's not pulling any punches. And this is also an implicit reminder to ladies, I think, not to become a seductress, even advertently, by the way you dress and act. And a naive woman follows the fashions of the world and becomes a stumbling block to her brothers. And in her ignorance, she can't understand why men seek her attention for all the wrong reasons. But this adulteress, she allures with promises of just ultimate uh, sensual exhilaration, verses 16 and 18, right? I've, I have the finest things on my bed, colored linens of, of Egypt, and we can drink our fill of love until morning and let us delight ourselves with caresses. She sounds a whole lot like a contemporary pop song, encouraging you to cast off your inhibitions, make love until the sun rises, etc. Right? One thinks of Ariana Grande probably in her one of her latest videos in which she's just kind of writhing around half naked on, on a bed. And again, we, we wonder what's wrong with our young people while they're off in the ditch in sexual immorality. It's because these are their role models. We're not guarding them against these influences and in contemporary culture. And notice how, notice how the adulteress also overcomes doubts and fears in verses 19 and 20. Right, she's anticipating, she's anticipating obje- objections like as to why uh, the young man might say, no, this is wrong. She says, my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him, right? She's, she's already thought of, ahead about this. We won't get caught, right, is what she's saying. No consequences. My husband or father, he's out of town. He's be, he'll be gone for a long time. Nobody will ever hold us accountable. We're consenting adults. Nobody has to know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What that sounds like is a whole, you know, what it sounds like to me is a whole lot like, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You've heard that expression before, haven't you? Right? And a number of different uh, allurements. You deserve what your spouse doesn't give you. And your your marriage is as good as over anyway. Right? It's all right if we do this because someday we will be married. Right? If you're thinking about premarital sex from that angle instead of extramarital. Or we'll practice safe sex. And she even portrays herself as religious. Verse 14, I was due to offer peace offerings today, uh, offers, offerings today, and I paid my vows. And so from a similar angle, someone might say, well, God made us this way. We can't help ourselves. We can do penance in the morning. God will forgive us. We just have to repent afterwards. There's people who, you know, the, the adulteress, you know, the, and again, whatever form the sexual temptation is going to take, we shouldn't be surprised if they even invoke the name of God to try and lure us away into this sin. 
there are a couple of ladies who were busted in Florida, I believe, like, uh, two weeks ago or so. Uh, they made headlines. It's a mother and daughter pair who ran this massage uh, parlor, whatever, spa. And um, it turns out that they were uh, prostituting themselves and running an, an escort service through this through this spa that they own. And uh, they even had ads on online, which is one of the ways that they eventually were, were caught. Uh, and she said uh, something to the effect of that God has given me the ability to take you to a whole new level of ecstasy like you've never known. Right? Times don't change, do they? Invoking the name of God, God will forgive us. God has allowed me to do this. He's given me this ability. We can't help ourselves. So why should we restrain ourselves? And so he buys into this. He buys into this in verse 21. If you continue reading in Proverbs chapter 7, Proverbs 7 and verse 21, with her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool, until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. So he does not know that it will cost him his life. Now, therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. And so the man is overwhelmed. He, he's, his defenses are, are broken down. He's fallen for her trap. It's closing in around him. It's just too late for him to escape, right? That's the picture that the, the writer is giving us here, like, a, like an ox, like a dumb ox who thinks he's going to pasture, but he's really going to be slaughtered. He just goes right along with her. And Solomon is saying in verse 26 that she has done this many, 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 many times. She's very experienced. The victims she has cast down are numerous. Numerous are all her slain. Even among those who are supposed to be leaders and examples among God's people. And so as the father concludes this description, as Solomon concludes this description, I think he's wanting us to see and he's wanting us to teach our children to see to, to recognize the adulteress and to flee. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22, Flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, and love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So in addition to teaching him to avoid the adulteress, he's encouraging his son to embrace two women, one symbolic and the, the other literal. And first of all, the, the symbolic woman is, is wisdom, right? So we've seen Lady Wisdom a number of times in these chapters already. right? Lady Wisdom, you cling to her, be spiritually faithful to her, and she will deliver you from immorality. right? That's the point of the Father saying, keep my commandments close to you and bind them around your neck. They will, they will preserve you in, in, in the night and, and, and instruct you when you're awake. right? Lady Wisdom will help you see the true nature of, of the seductress, right? That's that's the key. If you're going to make it through this, and I, if I'm going to make it through and cut through the temptations and the lies and the schemes of the enemy and, and the harlot, then I'm going to need I'm going to need the wisdom of God, because that wisdom will expose the true character of the seductress. Yes, she is cunning, she is beautiful, she's but she's deceitful. She's just flattering you. She's she's got a goal in mind here. She's feigning fidelity to her her lovers but she really doesn't love anyone right she's boisterous she's she's a hardened she's a hardened sinner she has no fear of god 
Her conscience has been sinned, singed. The Proverbs, uh, Solomon will later say in, in chapter 30 that she eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. She's brazen and shameless. She's unwilling to commit to a husband and to children and to a home. You might be think you're using her, but in reality, she is the one who's using you. She's a hypocrite. She's the counterfeit wife. She's only can offer counterfeit love. And lady, if you if you cling to Lady Wisdom and the wisdom that God's Word reveals, you'll you'll see that. You'll see that, and it will remind you of the deadly consequences of immorality. It will remind you of everything that is wrong with this picture. How this is going to ruin you spiritually, physically, financially, your reputation. It will break apart your family. All of that comes through the wisdom of God's Word. But if we're naive and we're just fixated on the moment, we're living for the moment, we're living for pleasure, we're, we're going to fall into this, to this trap every time. And so are we heeding the Word of God? And are, are we teaching our children the hard truth, the hard truth about these things? These aren't ever fun talks right, to have with our kids, but they're so necessary if we don't want to leave them vulnerable to the enemy. Right? Jesus Christ came and, and died so that we could be saved from such things. And perhaps that's your need today. You need to obey Him. You need to seek Him through His gospel. Obey His commands and keep them around your neck so that he will preserve you for the day of judgment. There's some way that we can help you. I hope that you'll contact us at the Leon Valley Church of Christ through email at leonvalleychurch at gmail.com or our website at leonvalleychurch.org. So please continue to study these things and pray about them. I will too. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.